All right, welcome back to another episode of Unveiled. It's Brother uh, Austin Carnes. Today we're going to be talking about soteriology and uh, the facts as best as we understand them. So uh, we're going to be a little bit less crowded today on the screen, and that's quite all right. We had uh, we had a great time, I think, with uh, Pastor Caldwell, and I hope to have some more fellas uh, coming along. Well, right now, inside of our own circle of, uh, of, of peers, camp meeting is going on in Western North Carolina. So as you might expect, there's a lot of pastors who are hard to find right now. So uh, it's just going to be us lay people today. <laughs> today. <laughs> <clears throat> and 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 it's fortuitous that today's even happening because it looked like it was going to be uh postponed for another week but uh, by god's grace and through his divine sovereignty and providence here we are today to talk about salvation i'm going to open it up to you for a second brother austin to give you an opportunity to uh give any opening comments thoughts concerns uh points of interest anything that's on your heart well we just want above all just stop and thank the lord for his uh, divine providence and uh, opportunities that I got this weekend to just be able to meet a lot of good people and uh, be encouraged that there's still a lot of people out there that loves the Lord and uh, is unashamed of this gospel. Uh, got to uh, share a personal testimony with some people in, in a sleep number store in Raleigh and got to go to a, uh, go to a, uh, I, I was at a truck driver's, uh, competition and uh, obviously uh, there's a lot of good blue collar people out there that's just just uh, claiming their their faith in Christ and uh, it's just a lot of fun you know and just a lot of encouraging things that there's still a lot of good people out there and uh, people that love the Lord praise God and uh, opportunity to share the gospel with people who really don't know the Lord it sounded like and uh maybe challenged a little bit and we can uh we can pray that maybe god that god will save them and uh which which is going to lead us a little bit into the topic if we can you want to define soteriology yeah or do you want me to well uh go ahead you can you can do soteriology i'll get into the more specific one so the doctrine of salvation that's what we're going to talk about right soteriology best i understand it I don't have a Google definition laid in front of me, but that's going to be the the conversation and the study of biblical salvation. And now when I say salvation, I'm talking about salvation that uh, everybody inside of the Christian church believes. Now, there's going to be some differences in. Uh, hmm, there's going to be some differences maybe in in, in what this looks like. <clears throat> no, not really. There's not going to be many differences, I don't think, in the way that we, because there's going to be people who are more a uh, reformed and more Armenian in their in their teaching, but we don't disagree on this subject. We're saved only by one way, only through one person, and 
This is not in any way, shape, or form man toward God related. This is all from God toward us. And there's no exceptions to that whatsoever. Anything other than there's there's some areas where we, we give a lot of grace and a lot of latitude for disagreement. Am I right, Brother Austin? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is one we don't. We don't we don't give a lot of of gravity in the in a realm of salvation because we're expressed we're told expressly by Christ that that narrow is the way and straight is the gate of salvation and few there be to find it so uh, we don't want to get we don't want to lead anybody astray by no means this is geared towards Pentecostal believers as all the unveiled podcasts are however everyone is welcome everyone is welcome whether uh, you're Calvinist, Arminian, or some other kind of creator that I don't know nothing about in between. Uh, the salvation of man is found in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. And we're going to talk about subsections of this today called justification. Sure. What does justification mean biblically? How is it applied? How do we view justification? And maybe given a time, we're going to talk expressly about what justification is not. And maybe by talking about what justification is not, we'll be able to clear up some misconceptions that some people have that's more on our side of the camp than on other people's camps. Is that fair? Yep, absolutely. You take the topic of justification and expound on it. I'm going to respond to a quick text message. Go ahead, bro. So I think, first of all, we have to ask, what is justification? Um, Britannica.com gives us a definition, two definitions specifically. Uh, the change in a person's condition moving from a state of sin to a state of righteousness. Second is the act of acquittal whereby God gives contrite sinners the status of righteous of the righteous. Which I like that one. Yeah. So justification is basically just a way of saying that <clears throat> We were in the wrong. We were in sin. We we deserve judgment, and God, through through Him being uh, the one that could give that judgment, whether it be condemnation or whether it be uh, righteousness and and, and forgiveness, uh, He decided that for us in in the Christian camp that He has passed over. Uh, our sins and, and giving us right standing with him. But this has been, uh, this opportunity has been given to all because we were all sinners begin to begin with. So, uh, we, we've all been given this opportunity to receive justification. I agree with that. The, uh, when you said the Christian camp, it made me think of this Psalm. <clears throat> Psalm 32. The joy of forgiveness. How happy is one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How happy is a man the Lord does not charge with sin and whose spirit is no deceit. And it goes on. This really good psalm. David, we wouldn't have considered him a Christian. This is pre-cross. This is pre-carnate Savior walking around on the earth. And yet this conversation that David, or this this psalm David's talking about right here, that this he's singing, this is Christian talk, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. 
this we're talking about so <clears throat> justification is a legal sounding term right any idea what the word transgression means well that would be uh going against what is what is the law really he'd be a lawbreaker so <clears throat> david is saying that this person happy is the one whose transgression or his lawless deeds are forgiven that's justification whenever you're lawfully condemned but you're set free of this condemnation that's that's the brass tax of justification isn't it so if you go to court for anything, whatever the court may be, and you're standing right here indicted, there's an indictment against somebody. That indictment causes them to have to go before the judge. And when they're before the judge, the uh, the judge proclaims guilty or innocent. Well, in our case, it's it's it would be guilty as walking into the court. Our pre our uh, the sort of predetermined state and i ain't sort of pre our, our predetermined state is guilty before god so we walk into the courtroom knowing we're guilty and then uh something takes place and god looks at us and says he's justified he's set free the charges against him don't hold anymore that right there, that that is the justification as far as how it's applied to us. How does that happen? When you're, if you were, if you were, if you were given an opportunity to talk to a couple guys in suits in a mall, and they asked you how how your salvation was guaranteed, what would you tell them? <laughs> or maybe I've maybe I've worded it the wrong way. How would I word that? Again, this is these conversations are always organic, so there's a lot of things. It's not scripted. No, I think I, it's I think it's fair. I think it's a fair question. How how's how's your how are you justified before God? I mean, that's that's pretty much the question he's asking. I mean, how, how do we receive justification? Uh, this 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 passing over, as the Bible says, of our of our sins, of our former lifestyles, of our <clears throat> natural inclinations. Um, it's all done through the person of Jesus. You know, it's Absolutely. all done through faith in Christ. And funny thing is, as foundational as that is to our Christianity, it's also one of the greatest stumbling blocks to a lot of people. And uh, where a lot of people um, like to mix in Jesus plus blank, you fill it in equals mm -hmm. our salvation when it's actually Jesus plus nothing. That's right. Jesus equals salvation. And uh, all you got to do is have faith in him, which, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll flesh that out a little bit more. Exactly. So questions that we get asked all the time uh, as Christians. So there's there's those that, that have absolutely no idea whatsoever about Jesus, about about the church, how we operate, what we believe. There's those that have no idea whatsoever. This podcast, you're welcome to listen to, and I hope you listen to it, but it's probably going to, there's going to be some language used in this podcast that isn't going to make any sense unless you have some background in it. To my Pentecostal brothers out there, there's a lot of us who have never ventured outside of our square 
box of understanding justification. And and we would uh, we would be quick to scream heresy in some arenas where, it, where it's just misunderstanding or if it's it's miscommunication on both sides, on our side and on their side. So most of the people that I've gone to church with now, and, and I went to church with, with brother Austin for years. The first church I ever joined as a Christian was, was the church where his father-in-law is the pastor of in Lincoln uh, at, at Daystar. This, this statement I first heard at this church and it was almost something that was in passing. And I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but if, if you can finish it, I'll give you a second to finish it. Whenever I say it, no man comes to the father unless the spirit of God. So <clears throat> nobody would question. Nobody would question that salvation is a work of God. And nobody questions that salvation is a work of God toward man. Nobody seeks after God at all. And, and we need to understand that, that we're wicked and it's God seeking after us and calling us to him that in that engages this. So if God is the author and the finisher of our faith and our faith starts with being justified. And that's, that's technically where all this starts. The beginning and the end of it is in two different spots, but justification is where this starts, isn't it? When we talk about the gospel, the gospel is all of these things are inside the gospel, the subject of the gospel. We started with uh, Christology because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. We moved from Christology and didn't move on and abandon the principles and the tenets of Christology, but we gathered onto them as we moved on to the last uh, topic that we just discussed, which has escaped my mind in the moment for some Anthropology. reason. Anthropology. Yes. We went from the, from the study of Christ study of man. And now this is the study of salvation. And what that amounts to is, is Christ is Christ, whether man exists or doesn't. Right. He's been in the beginning since before the beginning. He's eternal. He is Holy God with a W and he is holy God with an H, right? So he's altogether God. He's altogether holy. And at the same time, he's, he's also man, which is always going to be a difficult thing for somebody who's mathematically driven like me to understand how 100% and hundred percent equals hundred percent. So yeah, do with that, whatever you want to do with that. This is going to be a rabbit trail if I'm not careful. How we are affected primarily by the gospel is by way of soteriology. And that's that's what we're talking about right now. Is this, there's this mechanism that links God to, to man by way of relationship. Because God is going to be God whether he's by himself or whether he's with people. And man is going to be man. But he has a beginning and he has an end. In order for man to have an eternal relationship with God, it is one that is God began, God ordained, God kept, and God carried out. And this manner in which this happens begins in the topic called soteriology, and it begins in a per part called justification. Did I cover it the right way? I know we didn't we didn't so. lay this out, but could you follow I that? So. I think so. Absolutely. So, so I'm going to give an Old Testament reference. And then I'm going to ask you to give a New Testament reference, any one of them that you want to. I got you. All right, got one. All right. So the first one I come to, 
when I think about it, is, is Isaiah 53. Now, I want you to hear about, it's important that we keep in mind who Isaiah is talking about. If you don't know that he's talking about Christ, it takes about five seconds to realize he's talking about Christ. And he's talking about our salvation as a result of the things that goes on here. Who has believed what we have heard and who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? He grew up before him like a young plant and out of a dry, out of a root out of dry ground and had no form or splendor that we should desire at him, desire to look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. Well, he's despised and rejected by man, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was one people turned away from. He was despised and we did not value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness and carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he has pierced. He was pierced because of our transgression, crushed because of our iniquities and the punishment of our peace was on him. And we were healed by his wounds. He went astray. We, we all went astray like sheep and it turned, away, turned to our own way. And the Lord punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before his shears, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of the oppression and judgment and considered and who considered his fate. For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. They made his grave with the wicked and the rich man at his death. And although he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully, yet the Lord was pleased to crush him and make him sick. When, when uh, <clears throat> see, the Lord was pleased to crush him, and he made him sick. When you make him a restitution offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days. And the Lord will succeed by his hand. He will see it out of the anguish and he will be satisfied with his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as a spoil, because he submitted himself to death and counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. That's a lot of reading with bad eyes. <clears throat> So we're talking about, obviously, the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, and we can see where this is a this is a substitutionary atonement that we see taking place here. This is Christ being, being obedient to the cross for man that's been disobedient since Adam. This is this is Christ being punished because of our sin. This is, and not just don't don't mistaken every single word of that for just a simple physical penal substitution. He was taking on himself the wrath of God due man because of sin whenever he was guiltless. Right? This is not only a physical thing that we can point to in history and show, but there's also a spiritual reality going on here that we don't fully understand because we can't carry God's wrath. So that's my Old Testament reference about justification and, uh, and a prophetic look at what Christ is doing for us on the cross and three days later when he rose from the dead. This is not the only 
the only reference in scripture. It's just one that I think of. And I, when I read, I, I never can, I never can get over. This justification is not a new idea. This is throughout the whole, the whole book. This is, we might say this is God's overarching idea. Go ahead, brother. Romans 3, 21 through 25 says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, where there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. <clears throat> Whenever you talk about, break that down for just a second. Let's see. Uh, Romans 3. Yeah, which I'm trying to think which part I, I, I'd like for you to look into. We've discussed the meaning of justification and what that means in terms of the legal aspect. And Paul's using a legal argument here. He says this. How is it that faith do you suppose which this that gets into an entirely meteor topic i suppose i think you start going more into faith and works really all right all right let's do this explain to me is this faith all that is required for this justification uh-oh. Technical difficulties. Sorry about that. My phone got messed up a minute. Would you That's repeat right. that? All right. So <clears throat> faith, I want to make sure I don't, uh, we're going to read out two different translations, if that's okay. I'm in the NASB. Now, apart from the law, righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all who believe, there is no distinction. For all sin and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift of his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was demonstrated. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For this demonstration, I say that the righteousness at this time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. The word faith is in there like three times. Three times. Now, this has been something that has called great contention inside of, I'm going to say, the church in large, but not inside of the blood bought bride of Christ. And I say it that way for one reason. The entire Protestant Reformation, my understanding, came out of this. This book, right? That were justified by faith alone. There's a thing called the five solas. Do you know what they are? Sola Scriptura, Sola uh, Grata, I think. Sola, sola Gratia. <laughs> sola Fide. Yeah. Which is, which is faith, right? Right. So, solo Christos, solo gratia, sola fide, sola scriptura, sola de gloria. Right? Something like right. that. I'm not 
You know, I'm not a Calvinist, so I don't know, but I like that mindset that we're saved in Christ alone, by faith alone, through grace alone. I think that was Luther. It may be. I don't know. I'm not a, not a Calvinist. <laughs> I don't hold to all the, the, the teachings that, that they hold to. Not that I disagree with all of them, but I don't know them. So I can't, right. I can't just spit that out. And all of these are for the glory of God alone, which is awesome. Totally awesome. To God be the glory. And all the Pentecostals say glory. So uh, is there anything that needs to be added to this for justification? Or is it just faith? I think it's just faith, but I think, <clears throat> I think at its core, I think that you see a lot of byproducts come from it as a, as a means of, um, not by receiving, uh, justification as if we deserve it, but it, just as an expression of who, uh, we've been created as new creatures in, in light of say second Corinthians five seventeen. So whenever you think about James, you don't think James is contradicting this, do you? It says faith, he said, show me your faith and I'll show you faith and works and faith that works is dead. Because I think that a lot of times this gets brought up in terms of Bible contradictions, but I think that that's a misunderstanding of what James is saying. I think that James is saying more along the lines of what you just said when you said, uh, Faith brings things, right? Right. Let's see if I can. Well, let's 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 take this for an example, okay? Go for it. <clears throat> It'd be like in Genesis chapter, what is it, fifteen, where, uh, and, and you know, I probably threw you for a loop going all the way back into no, Genesis, but uh, where Abram, you have Abraham, you know, he talks about Abraham was justified. Yep. Because he believed this. He was just, you know, he was, it was counted him as righteousness. Then, you know, later on, you know, he receives this promised son of Isaac. And then he's told to go sacrifice Isaac. So mm -hmm. there, there is a work going into this of obedience that is taking place. However, it's, it's still a faith in. I'm going to do what the Lord asked me to do, but it's not necessarily the, the, the work in and of itself, but it's the faith that that is being displayed in doing what the Lord asked him to do and obeying that, obeying that commandment. So it, it's, I think it's more of a, I think it's more, it's, it's a hard perspective to take to realize that there's works involved, but it's not the work in and of itself, but it's the heart behind the work. It, it's the work is, is a, is a bop. It, it's, Justification is not a byproduct of good works, but good works are a byproduct of justification. Is what I'm saying because um, it would be like in Matthew seven fifteen through twenty, where Jesus said, uh, "Beware of false prophets come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit." A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So it's it's not it's it's hard to realize that just as James said, it's not contradictory. There is a new creation and a new creature and, and a sanctifying process. As we as we've talked about in previous episodes, 
but it's not the thing in and of itself because at any time when we, we make it about a thing or a work, we're taking glory away from God and Christ because of the gospel, because of faith in that we have in them. The rest is just byproducts. I want to look back at Abraham for a second, right? Because Paul actually talks about Abraham as being an example of living by faith. And then you bring up a very interesting point where he takes Isaac for the sacrifice, right? So <clears throat> did did Abraham actually sacrifice Isaac? No. So essentially, in terms of works, Abraham split some wood, loaded a donkey, and him and his servants and his son took a six-day round-trip hike. And in the climax of this six days, on the third day, they climb a mountain and God actually gives them a ram to sacrifice on an altar that he made. And then he returns home with Isaac. Right? So from Paul's point of view, did Abraham do any work? Yes and no, because it required, I'll, let me break it down like this, in light of Romans 4, which I'm, I'll read a little bit of. Perfect. Because, so was there work required or, or, or was there uh, works required? I suppose you could say that in taking the trip and, and preparing for the trip and bringing him up for the sacrifice. And then after that, even to take this ram and sacrifice on this altar. But according to Paul in Romans 4, 4 says now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Yep. So it's not that it's not necessarily a, um, righteousness based off of what was done. But again, as I said earlier, it's the byproduct because of what has been done and what has been accomplished. So it's me, change in nature. It's, it's a, it's, I, I, I see it more as a, a, a worship. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that the, the trip itself wasn't arduous. I'm not saying that, that there wasn't, uh, some labor in terms of getting there and getting back and splitting the wood and all that. I suppose I asked the question wrong. He wasn't justified by those works is what I'm saying. That's, that's true. That's true. So I'm thinking about it in terms of a, that's, that's probably the best way to put it. If, uh, if you're, say you're lifting weights, right. And you go to the gym and I put on the, on the bench 500 pounds and I say, all right, I want you to, I want you to do one good rep, one good rep of this 500 pounds and you sit down all 150 pounds yourself. Right. And, and you push and you sweat and you grind and that never moves from that bench. Did you work at it? Yeah. Did you do any work? I, yeah, but I didn't accomplish anything. Physics would say you didn't. That says there's no work done until that item moves. Hmm. And and that's, you know, uh, all that could be viewed as potential, 
energy was put into it, but it didn't actually have any working energy. That yeah. item never moved. She didn't work. So if you take that and you apply that in a, in a theological principle to it and you say, okay, so Abraham goes and he goes to the altar and he lays his son on the altar <coughs> and he rears back with his knife to plunge it in. And then God calls for him to stop, which is how the story goes. And he stops, didn't actually sacrifice his son. So he didn't actually accomplish anything that would have been a work toward any kind of justification. Hmm. So that goes a bunch of different ways. Going through the motions didn't really accomplish anything. It's where a bunch of, I'm, I assume a bunch of preachers would listen to that and, and take off and, and write a whole sermon on just going through the motions doesn't accomplish anything. There's, there's a lot of truth in that, but it wasn't until God give him the ram. Now I say it this way, brother Austin, if we're to view the act of sacrificing the animal as a work, then the uh, nailing Jesus to the cross is some form of work. Hmm. Right? Praying and asking God to forgive you is some kind of a work. That's not that's not the kind of work. Paul can't be talking about that kind of work in, in, manner, of, in the manner of justification. Does that make sense that way? I think so, yeah. So I'm not saying that that I'm not saying that what Abraham went through was nothing because just the just the stress <clears throat> as a father, whenever the conversation was had between him and God, that stress that happened in that moment of what was asked of Abraham had to be worse than anything he'd ever been through in his entire life. To be put in a position to have to choose between a promise God gives you and the God who gives you the promise, man, in order to make that right decision takes a tremendous amount of faith. And that decision was made three days before he got to Mariah. In any case, that's my thoughts on it. Like I said, I don't hold, I don't hold the, you know, the patent on that, but I mean, it's from a, Mechanical point of view, no work is actually accomplished until the object that you're trying to move or pump or pull actually moves from its rested state. So Abraham's salvation, his justification, I believe, happened whenever he was in Ur and God said, Abraham, get up and I'll take you to a place and I'll show you. And then later on, he says, can you count the numbers of the stars? Can you count the sand on the sea? Sure. Your offspring will be more numerous than these. And he believed God. I believe that's when he was justified. Is it okay if I read uh, that read portion it, of Romans 4? through? Absolutely. Uh, uh, I, I might stop about five. It says, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, <clears throat> our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. 
just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, which we just read this, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. And we could continue on where it talks about circumcision and uh, let's do it. Well, actually, yeah, let me, let's go ahead and go ahead and finish that out. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteous. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the, of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised uh, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. I'll stop right there. That's good. Do you want to, you want to flesh any of that out? No, the, time, the timeline of that, the timeline of that would have had Abraham's uh, salvation before Isaac was born. Yeah. I, I think, I think uh, timeline really speaks for itself. And what's, what's interesting is, uh, if, I mean, if you think about it, um, I can't remember where it was said. I want to say Joshua said it, uh, but Abraham was, you know, it, it seems it seems to me that somewhere in Joshua, don't quote me on this, but Joshua talked about how him and his brother were were worshiping other gods at the time. Really, I mean, uh, before God had called them. You know, for God had called them out of the land. Yeah, that they were. Um, and I have to. I have to look that up. I have my well, computer. In front think of about it for a reference. second. Uh, whenever Isaac sent for his, uh, when Isaac sent for his son a wife, right? Or well, actually, Abraham sent for his son for Isaac a wife. Whenever uh, Jacob went to his uh, forefather's home. He went to uh, Laban's house for a wife, right? Mm -hmm. What did uh, Rachel steal? The idols. Right. It was idolatry going on still, wasn't it? Right. Right. So <clears throat> it's, it's, to me, it's not a stretch to assume that uh, God called Abraham out of idolatry. That Here God it is. called Abraham. Go ahead. Joshua 24. I knew uh, it was in there. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads of the judges and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves for God. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt, and I could continue to go on, but he was just going on about, um, he was going on uh, about the, the history of Israel, but I think you could probably, some you, know, you, you could probably put two and two together, I, I would say, to say that probably served other gods at the time until the god of israel called him out i mean yeah. could you not oh yeah for sure 
for sure. So let's, uh, I feel like we got a lot of feelers going out there. I feel like there's a lot of things that have, that have, have been said that probably rabbit trail a little bit. Well, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. Uh, I, I really, I really wanted to have a robust debate about justification. So I almost wanted to call somebody who would disagree so that we could have a little bit of an impactful moment, <laughs> but that may, maybe that's not the best thing to do. Always. Uh, I'm not very controversial in nature, but it seems like I thrive on it. We're simply justified by faith in Christ. And the justification is what you want to read that definition one more time for me, brother. Uh, let's see. I ha- actually, I don't have it right in front of me. Okay. I lost we're, it. We've, we're, we've taken from our sinful state and made into a state that is unsinful, right? So <clears throat> there's this massive amount of debt to our name, and it's sinful. The wages of sin is death, right? And as we have this humongous mountain of debt of sin, there is a justifier of this sin, of this debt, and his name is Christ. And whenever we believe on him, now I know we use the word faith and and broken down, faith is a belief and an adherence to. But I don't want you to get the idea that somehow this is a superficial belief, like uh, some people believe I don't know, um, in Bigfoot, but there's absolutely no credible evidence in their area that there's a, that there's a Bigfoot lives up on Carpenter's Knob called Knobby. Nobody really seen Knobby, but you talk to people, they've seen Knobby, right? There's, that, there's this. I'm talking about a faith in, in Christ, a belief and an adherence to that every aspect of my life will be governed by him. Everything that I thought was mine is his and I'm a steward of. This is this is a radical and a radical abandonment of everything but Christ and an adherence to Christ. Uh, the Amplified Bible in John three sixteen uh, would break down uh, belief as fully adhered to, and I, I like that because in our culture, belief is a word we've trashed. We've trashed that word, Austin. Believe we've trashed the word love. And people now they love their pizza and 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 <clears throat> they just like their girlfriend, right? I mean, you have people who love their truck but just like their kids. Uh, it's we've we've taken words and we've cheapened them where they don't mean anything anymore. But to say that I believe that gravity is a thing and I act like it's going to hurt if I pick my feet up off the ground with nothing to catch me but my neck, then I'm going to act in a certain way. If I really believe that we've used the term uh, uh we've used the uh the analogy about jumping off an airplane and really believing in the parachute really believing that the plane's going down whenever you leave you don't jump off an airplane for a survival state unless you really believe that that airplane's going down you don't put a parachute on that you just think it's going to work you put it on and you believe it's going to work and you hope that it works all at the same time right, right. this is the this is the faith you're talking about austin when you say this faith it has has merit to it, this faith has has action to it. We used to use a term uh, back in the '90s whenever I was in elementary school and middle school and the first part of high school was talk was cheap, right? 
don't talk about it, be about it was a, was another saying people used to have right. all the time. Uh, you tell me you believe in God. Okay. Let's see what that looks like. You believe that you're justified by faith in Christ and you believe that Christ is enough. Do you, do you hinge everything on him or are you trying to work out a contingency plan at the same time? Hmm. Right. Whenever I, there's a song third day used to sing and it said, uh, what are you going to do when the judgment comes when your time has come or something like that, and you stand before the Lord, he said, I already know what I'm going to say. I trust in Jesus. And I I, I don't know that, that I didn't just butcher the first part of that song, but but it, the fact that he had already made up his mind, this is what I'm going to do. I think about the 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 old song I have or the old song I've decided to follow Jesus, how how Paul here talks about this that Abraham had made it up in his mind and it was credited to him or, or counted to him as righteousness, this faith. It, this is no small thing. Everything in your life is going to be governed by this. We don't just put this on and go to church on Sunday or Wednesday or during revival season. We don't just put this on when we go to work so that we can represent Christ in the work field. This is, this is what we govern our entire lives by is this faith. Right, I mean, I mean, this this is huge. This is the confidence that I have that I'm not taking these however many years I have on this earth and putting them into something that has no dividends on at the end. I'm telling you that I'm putting all the hope and all my time and all my energy in Christ because He's worth it. Anyway, I, I rabbit trailed on you again, and I apologize for that. No, that's fine. I think um, such a weighty. I think I think justification is such a weighty topic. It, it's it's kind of hard. The reason there's so many rabbit trails because it's 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 so hard to put into words. Just just the gravity of what justification really is, and and, and it's it, it takes a lifetime just to grasp. You know, I I didn't really have a profound. I, st- I still don't have a profound. I, I say that like I've reached some type of profound understanding, but I, I didn't have a better understanding of justification until really the recent years. And, and still yet, I, I just have such a long way to go. But I think the thing we have to understand is that justification, you know, is by faith, but in, in becoming a new creation, there there is works and and things that god expects of us not so that we can receive this righteousness and so that we can receive it as if we are we are that's how we obtain it but it's it's it it is a byproduct of of being a new person it's like in galatians but and at the same time we're given we're given the ability to be able to uh, to do these works and do these things, you know, Galatians says, um, uh, in Galatians chapter two, let's see where it's at. It says for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
So I think what's, what's funny about, what's funny about works is the understanding that we have to have is, is God in and of himself does not need our works as if he is un as, as if he is, uh, as, as if as if he needs it to fulfill himself I, I, it's funny because martin luther actually said that god does not need our good works but our neighbor does so so to love god and to love our neighbor you know again it's just a it's just a byproduct but that can't happen until we come to this place in christ to where we can fulfill those good works because luther also says god uh, good works do not make a good man, but a good man does good works, right? Yep. So, um, did, I don't. Did we did we go through that section of James where he talks about faith without works is dead? No, I think we're going to do that the next time because I okay. want I want to talk a little bit before we leave, and I want to I want this to to bridge the gap between this episode and the next episode. This episode justification we're justified by faith and i wanted to to use something that uh, <clears throat> jesus is on the cross there's two fellas one on either side of him this talked about both of them start out mocking him one of them continues mocking him until the very end and then another one repents quite simply he says we deserve this, and this man doesn't. And he looks at Jesus, and he says, when you get to your kingdom, remember me. He says, truly today, you'll be with me in paradise. We're talking about a man who added nothing to the kingdom of God but these words. We're, <coughs> we're talking about a man who wasn't baptized, catechized. He wasn't taught in anything the uh, doctrine of sanctification. He wasn't talking about the doctrine of justification. He wasn't talking about soteriology. He had no earthly idea what the term born again meant. He simply trusted the man on the middle cross, as Alistair Beck said. He simply trusted that that man that was to his left or his right, that man that was beside him, had no business being on that cross that realization that came to him, I believe, was from his was, was from the Lord. I believe that the Lord gave him that realization, just like the Lord gave Peter the realization that Jesus is the Messiah. I believe that the Lord called on him. He responded, and his response to this invitation from the Lord was, just please don't forget me when you get to your kingdom. Justified. Justified in that moment that's heavy that's heavy because well, i don't want to make this something that jesus didn't make it on the cross right so i said when we ended or when we began before we ended we talk about what justification is not there's a topic called sanctification and we're going to get into it but brother austin do you want to touch on what justification is not in relate to sanctification or any other topic that comes to mind in a moment in the moment uh, no, I, I just, I really just had a, uh, verse that kind of went with, uh, some of the previous things we were talking about. Take it away. Go ahead. 
Take it away. It, it was just Ephesians 2, 8, and 10, which you already mentioned some of it, but the, the latter half I thought was really interesting. Um, you know, we, for some reason, we, we've been dancing a lot around and on this, the, talking about works and stuff, uh, which is interesting because, you know, we ain't really got into that topic quite yet. <laughs> yeah. But um, it just says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's aspects that we're, I hope we get to talk to with some other guys, uh, like uh, election and the call, uh, which is not to say we're not going to talk about it, but in this sense, we're, that <clears throat> soteriology is a huge topic and taking one subject like justified is difficult because there's so many things that are like, it's like spider webbed into so many different concepts that it's hard to talk yeah. about it without touching on different aspects of it or, or, or without touching on different aspects of soteriology in a sense, justified is a very simple topic. Uh, uh, Pastor Williams used to say, it simply means justified I'd never sinned. You could take and say it that way. I thought that was a good, I always thought that was a good way of looking at it. And, and it is a good way of looking at it. <clears throat> I just think that there needs to be some amount of, of honor given to the, the sacrifice that God had to have or God had to put for our justification. I've said it piles of times. God had to die. For this to happen, and that's that that shouldn't just be breezed through. I mean, you're talking about all of heaven, all of earth witness the death of the Almighty. That's man, that is that's crazy. That's supernaturally impossible. I mean, that's that's there's so many impossibilities going on right there. But in, in order to ensure our justification, the King of Glory had to die. The, the wrath of God it's, had to be it, poured out, and, and only God had enough. It, it's he was still, the only one that could that could take it. <laughs> man, it messes with my head. It messes with my heart, and I'm not I'm not willing to live a second of this life God's given me, thinking that I've earned any of that, or that I've added to any of that in any way, shape, or form. This was done for us by him. And we should never, never muddy the waters by giving people the idea that somehow or another we've added to our salvation in any way or, or added to our oh, justification okay. or that we could earn it. Exactly. <clears throat> so sanctification is a manner that a Christian lives after he's justified and it's a continual process of being made more holy, being made more like Christ. Do not hear me now, especially, especially you fellas that have never really studied Scripture but have been faithful church members. I love you. Please hear this. Justification is not sanctification. And sanctification does not give you justification. If 
you've stopped doing things that are sinful, praise God, but that did not make you right with God. If you were an addicted, uh, if you were a drug addicted, porn addicted, adulterer, if you were a, 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 a homosexual, if you were whatever you were, whatever you were prior to salvation, you're not that anymore, and your actions should be different. But but to go in the reverse and think, I'll stop doing this, and I'll refrain from that, or I'll start doing this, doesn't justify you. It does not justify you. So we have to make sure that distinction is out there. If not, we teach a different gospel. Is that fair, Brother Austin? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was a... I, I'm a, I've been a lot of bad things prior to Christ saving me. There's areas I don't even want to ever go to because of what I, what God delivered me from. Nobody had to ask me to stop doing these things because the Bible tells me they're all wrong. <laughs> and I didn't need, right. I didn't need brother Austin to call me to tell me that these things are wrong. If you're reading your scriptures, right? right. It's right here act according to God's word and these things will stop. Don't pursue the lust of the flesh, but rather pursue the things of God, pursue the things of the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's kind of a crazy concept, but those things aren't justification. That's after justification. That is always going to be after justification. I think uh, sanctification, I think the best um, definition would be those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. I think that is a better interpretation of um, sanctification. <clears throat> it's it's just being more and more in his image every day. Yeah. You know, it, it's that new creation that we keep. That we keep. Yeah, maybe more than anything. Maybe we've. Uh, it, it feels that we have touched on justification kind of this much and laid the groundwork for sanctification this much. Well, because here's the thing. As long as nobody gets them confused, I'm fine with that. Because here's the thing about justification. It's so profound, but at the same time, so simple because it's so profound to understand that God's wrath had to be poured out. The only person that could take that wrath and punishment was God Himself. Yeah. Re- or which which how about say reincarnate? That was totally wrong. Yeah. Come as in come as a man in in the person of Jesus Christ, and God the Father poured poured the wrath on God the Son. But at the same time, while this was going on, a man on a cross beside of him, literally all he said was, "Remember me." And he received that justification like that. So profound to try to wrap your brain around, but so easy to receive if we would just allow the spirit to have his way. So it's, wow. It's, it's so profound, but so simple at the same time. Yeah. It takes God to forgive a man. When God looks at us from the court, from the seat of the judge, when he looks down on the on the Christian, he sees his son. And that's all he sees. And and I'm gonna 
very unfiltered, very honest in this moment. I am so undeserving of that because not just because of the things that I've done, but because at times I feel the wickedness and the capability of wickedness that still rises up in me that I might be forgiven and stand justified in a relationship with God where he sees the precious son whenever this wretch is the one standing in front of him is more than I can really deal with. That's, that's, that's more love than I know what to do with. That's more forgiveness than I know what to do with. And it, it takes me and leaves me in a place where I'm wrecked, completely wrecked. And I don't, I don't know really how to put it into words other than that. I don't know that, that I can I can convey it into words because Austin, the capacity for evil, I feel like is continually being put to death inside of me. And there's parts of me that get weary <laughs> because I know all I do is get the traffic jam. All I gotta do is get stuck in traffic for, for a few minutes. And I'm like, how many of you people are just dumb? Right. Yeah. I shouldn't even be thinking those kinds of thoughts. Right. Uh, <clears throat> whenever I'm watching television, which I try not to watch the news at all anymore at all. I see someone's abused a, a, a kid. And the first thing that comes to my mind is what I'd like to do with just a few minutes. Un, unabated for just a few minutes in the room. And I think what a wicked wretched thing whenever the war that we're waging is not one that's carnal and I know that and yet God would still forgive forgive somebody like me I tell you uh, that's why I refuse to act like I'm too dignified to worship God whenever the time comes to be with other folks I'm going to get sideways worshiping God, whether I'm in my, my kitchen like I am right now, whether I'm in my prayer closet, whether I'm on the workplace, <clears throat> whenever I'm flesh that says, hey, just tone it down just a little bit. It's not really the time and place for a hallelujah. I'm going to stand up and give one all the more because I feel like that I need to overcome, <laughs> I need to overcome that that whatever that uh, that sinful desire is to, to keep my mouth shut, I want to be a little bit like David and say, I ain't even begun to defile myself yet. Hang on a second. <clears throat> that's, the, that's the part of me that, that remembers how, how far I've got to go, and, but how far God's already carried me from. Anyway, rabbit trail. He's a good God we have. Right. He's a good God. And I don't... Uh, I can't speak for anybody else in the manner that I can speak for me, but I'm fully undeserving of this grace. I am fully undeserving of his mercy. I can't, I would not, if I, if I had been put in the position that the almighty has been put into, I'm afraid I would never have given myself the justification that God has so freely given me. I would have given up on me. And that's, that's the real truth behind it brother Austin 
Absolutely. I've talked too much. I'm going to give you an opportunity to close it out and pray and uh, and to uh, give any closing thoughts without me yakking anymore. No, I think uh, I think we laid a good foundation for uh, what we fixed and get into. Uh, apologize to the audience for all the rabbit trails. Uh, there was it's uh, it's it's quite a heavy topic. Um, again, we're we're it's a joke, but at the same time, we're serious. We, we give the facts that we best understand them. Um, but it's a, it's a weighty topic when you begin to talk about justification. It's profound. You, you begin to unlock layers and layers and layers. The, the more you read, the more you study, the more you uh, continue on this journey of faith. Um, wish, wish I had a better understanding of it. Um, but I, I, more than anything, I, it's it's if you don't quite understand it it's important that you live in a way to where you show your gratitude for it um because it's undeserved you know it's, it's completely undeserved and uh, the best thing we can do is live a life of um, conformity to his ways his will to um trying to look more and more like Christ and follow his example and in, in worship to him to, to, to show those good works, to, to, to show how grateful we are for this, this, this gift we've been given. Um, so I, I think uh, it's an important topic. It's an important topic to talk about. We'll continue to flesh it out some more as we continue to go on in this uh, study. And um, I just, Really, that's all I got to say about it. I guess we'll close it out in prayer and send it right back to you. Uh, God, I thank you, Lord, for all that you do. And I just thank you for giving us this opportunity to speak on justification and uh, salvation and uh, touch on some of the various topics. Lord, you know our uh, you know our hearts, God, and you know that we don't have it all together, Lord. And I just thank you that we can flesh out some of these things, Lord. <laughs> Uh, I just thank you for that you have justified us, Lord, through, through the blood of Christ, that he has come to be the propitiation for our sins. I just thank you that we have been given the opportunity to, and the strength through the power of the Holy Spirit, to be conformed, to be new creations, to walk in a, in a more sanctified way, Lord, as we continue to fight the flesh and fight this, this battle of, of our own wills for our own selves, God, that we can put those things to death, God. And the preacher continue to help us to and help us to all have a better understanding of justification, Lord, and, and just the weight that this carries, God, that above all, it would just manifest itself in, in, in our lives, God, through thankfulness and through worship, God, and through making you Lord over our lives and everything we do. Be with us and give us greater understanding, Lord, and greater gratitude, or just a grateful hearts for all these things. Thank you for all that you do, Lord. In Jesus' name.